Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I have been talking about the gifts of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit for quite some time, but today um, this really, a bunch of really cool events happened because I was going to talk about the gift of prophecy. And um said, so, well, I think you could throw up my little fun little number four. The gift of prophecy, I'm going to be talking about it um, probably for a few services, but this is the goal of prophecy. The purpose of prophecy is to encourage, strengthen, and comfort you. And I feel like today um, what the Holy Spirit has done is he's orchestrated the gift of prophecy in action. So I want to give you a few examples. So Cece is a prolific writer, agreed? Yes. And um, she's been in a... she. The, the Holy Spirit begins to stir within her um, a movement of God. It's the best way I know to describe it. And she was not raised in church. And so it begins, sorry, it's a little bit woozy up here, I guess. So it begins to unfold through the gift that's within her. And she's a, she has the gift of, she has a feeler gift. So that means that it starts to happen in her feelings. Tessa has that same gift, some other people in here. Well, what happens to her is that it, it, there's tension because she has she is a prophet. She has the call of God to to deliver prophetic words, and she's she has this tension where she has to stay in this place of letting her spirit be in the lead, kind of like I talked about at the beginning of service. Now Tess is the same way. Tess has got the feeler gift. She's a, has a prophetic voice, and God uses her through art, through all these different things. But there's tension in our gifts, especially when we didn't even know they existed. Like, it's just a foreign concept. I, I say it like this. You have this supernatural weapon, and you're just shooting everything with it because you don't know how to aim it yet. So you're just all over the place. And let me just tell you this. This generation is a generation where is Joel 2 generation where God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh all over the circle. It's not happening just here, it's happening in other places. And he is on the move to what to speak through prophetic words, to speak through vision, to speak through dreams, to speak. He wants to speak on the planet right now. And he has a message. And so when I was, I, I got up yesterday morning and I heard this statement, there's giants in the land. And so we're in the process right now, as you know, of our July focus, got so much going on right now, that is the alignment with the, with the God of power, yes. something like that. And so it was Tessa's day yesterday to write a word that I send out to our people. And so she had also on Friday night got into, because they are feelers. So what the feeler gift does is it picks up on a wavelength of the spirit. And if they're not careful, they'll all of a sudden start looking in their belly button to see if it's them. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, it's just one step over here, one step over there. And so it takes a lot. That's why the, our gifts have to be developed within a family of God because then you have somebody that helps knock you back over onto the road, you know. Did anybody get knocked back over onto the road this week? Yeah, there's a few of you, I know. So isn't that great? Because now you can hear with the eyes of understanding, right? And so she wrote a word, and guess what the gist of her word was? Giants in the land. She actually used that term. Now, we didn't speak. We didn't get up. I didn't speak to Cece or her or anything. And so she used the exact scripture I was going to use today. And so that is the gift of prophecy in action, right? Now, since the gift of prophecy is to encourage, what is courage? Courage is the, I said it on Wednesday, I think, that it's like, the opposite of fear, but you can't have courage and fear and they can't exist at the same time, right? So prophecy should 
encourage. It should incite courage, right? It should give. You're going to need courage to do your God-sized assignment. Agreed? Okay. And so what happened with Cece about her word was she she loves to sleep, y'all. Let me just be honest with you. She has this weird thing where she thinks she has to get out eight hours of sleep. She calculates everything around this eight-hour thing. I don't even know what that is. That I wasn't. That was just a weird mindset. So everything becomes a scientific math formula, Melody, to figure out which, how in the world I'm going to be able. Do you know? Does anybody else do that? Just the melons. Okay, no. <laughs> Now, the rest of us aren't doing that. Just in case y'all are wondering, we're just not doing that. <laughs> so it might be an exhaustive activity y'all are doing. I don't know. Just consider it that maybe it might not be God. But <laughs> I know that would be a real stronghold to break. But just consider it. I know right now. Just consider it, okay? So what happens is God interrupts her sleep a lot. He speaks to her a lot in the middle of the night. And there's... There's a learning curve with that, right? Because first you kind of got to get over how ticked off you are that you're not getting sleep. Does anybody know? What, does anybody love sleep? But does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, you know, when God comes in and interrupts that, what if he did that a lot? You know what I mean? Because, you know, a lot of us are like, like right now I'm in this season where my dog is up at night because of the storms, you know. And so that can be exhausting after a while, you know. If you have children, they're up checking stuff, right? She's in that season where her children are up throwing up in the middle of the night. It's just an exhausting season. But God still is speaking. Even when I'm stressed out, I'm bugged, He did. he's not like, well, let's just take the day off then. No one needs anything I have to say today. Let's just say that. He just doesn't work that way. So I really wanted to start out today with saying that I, I want to show you prophecy in action today. And I'm going to deliver this word about giants in the land. But before I do, I asked Cece, she usually reads her word at the end. But I asked her to read at the beginning, and you'll see why here in a minute. So come on, Cece. Thank you, Tisa. I'm just going to go on record saying I would settle for four hours of sleep. You know, I would settle for three, two, I mean, any sleep. I'm kind of in that phase of just back-to-back -back naps at this stage, the last few days, just a series of naps at night. That's not the same. That's a solid, deep, you know, eight hours. It's not the same. So, um, yes, as Tisa said, um, <clears throat> being a feeler, I've been sensing some, something new in the spirit. That's probably the best way to say it. There's something new going on on the battlefront, so to speak. Sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, is it God? Is it the enemy? It's usually both because the enemy's trying to do something or stop what God's advancing and God's going to stop the enemy. So there's a tension. There's a war going on just between light and dark. And so I've been sensing this for a while, and I know that I'm in a personal season that he's doing something new in, but I know he's also doing something on a global scale right now, and there's a lot of spiritual activity, and there's just been something very different the last week or couple weeks maybe. And so um, I happen to have lately been around a few different groups of people that I'm not always around, mostly unbelievers. And so kind of unusually spent more time with some people um, that I know basically just worship something different. You know, they have other idols in their life. It's not what they would call them, but, you know, it's just they're, they're living by a different operating system. And so um, <clears throat> this particular night, it was Friday night, I woke up from dreaming about some of those people, and I could just feel the strong um, spirit on those people. Then when I was with them in the daytime, it didn't stand out to me necessarily, but the Holy Spirit was really highlighting something for me there, and it was really grievous to him. I could tell it was just, it's hard to even find the words for it, but it was really, it was a devastating kind of feeling. Like this was, this was no small matter. This wasn't just a, oh, that's sad. 
you know, this, it was serious. It was really, really grievous to the Holy Spirit and really dangerous and detrimental, all of those things. And so after being up for a few hours, I finally got out my laptop and was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what is going on? And I sat down to write and he immediately just took over. Like it wasn't even just a a walking into it process. Like sometimes I'm processing what I'm feeling kind of out loud with him. It just, he just immediately took over and I began to write something different than what I even meant to write. And so I'm just going to jump into it here. I may pause a a few moments and and explain just a couple of things. So I started writing. I said, Abba, Father, Papa, Adonai, King Jesus, Lord of Lords, Yeshua, Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth, Divine Comforter, Divine Encourager, Divine Counselor, Spirit of the living God, spirit of revelation, spirit of prophecy. I have all confidence in who you are. I have all confidence that you are who you say you are. That these names above are only a few of all that you are worthy of. That these names speak only of some of your majesty only some of your rule and reign, only some of your might and power, because you are more than I can conceive of in my humanity. I know that I am graced to know so many names and attributes of you, that if it weren't for your mercy, your love, your redemption, your resurrection power in my life, I would know nothing of you. I would be limited in my comprehension, limited in my vision, limited in my capacity to perceive your godness. I would be restricted to a world that reached far and wide, but had no depth. On its own, the human mind can perceive a great expanse when it looks to its right and left, but it will never know the depth of this existence without looking up. Humanity so easily calls itself supreme in its own understanding. Believing they are the highest thing limits their search for the greater, the more, the true purpose and quality of living. But brilliance doesn't exist one-dimensionally. Majesty does not reside or come close to fitting on the x-axis of life. They call it a life of plenty while having no concept of what they're missing. Do they not see the sky above them? Do they not see the sea beneath? Do they really think that they can conceive of its greatness, that it can be explained on this one-dimensional plane? How arrogance does blind and limit the mind. Human frailty is not found in skin and bones but in this tragically limited view of existence. The elevation of our own intelligence has stunted the growth of mankind, dumbing it down till there's no room left for wisdom. Wisdom has become the antithesis of intelligence as we call ourselves kings of our own kingdom, completely blind to its pig pen status. What a fitting place for the one called Lord of the Flies. Even he knows that mankind doesn't exist on its own, but he'll gladly guard the blindfold on our eyes so we'll build his throne, all the while calling it our own. This was the description that the Holy Spirit gave me for that spirit that I told you I was picking up on. And so I said, Papa, Abba, is this that you're describing, the present battleground that I'm sensing? Is this the place that seems to be exploding with violence, the war that wakes me, that I feel rippling through me? Is it a tug of war over this man-made mud pit? Have we stirred the demons by beginning to climb out of our muddy slumber? 
Is their hold so strong, their tug so powerful to intimidate this waking giant as she rises? How does this terror have any home in us? How does defeat seem to have already found its way with us? Why does the sound of this battle seem to come from our core like an echoing torment of enemy victory? And so Papa began to speak. And the Holy Spirit said, Daughter, son, let me speak to your spirit directly. Set your mind aside. It's important that your spirit knows its place in this moment. It's important that your spirit take center stage and recognize that this battle is its to fight. So I'm thankful that Tisa mentioned right there that earlier in the, at the beginning of the service that we are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. Most, unfortunately, if humanity has the soul in charge and leading the way. And so that's how we perceive things psychologically is through our soul. We, we feel we have our emotions, our, our soul is our mind and our will and emotions. And so we tend to lead with that because like me, I grew up, that's, that's what I knew. Like she said, I wasn't raised to know God. And so I had no concept of this spirit to spirit connection and to be that I was supposed to be led by my spirit. So it's a journey for us to learn how to tell our soul to step aside and that we are going to listen to the spirit because the spirit is what's connected to the Holy Spirit. The spirit is what hears the Holy Spirit, not our soul. And so we've got to make sure that our soul is not in the lead. And so it's critically important here. He was very direct and he was like, let me speak to your spirit right now. First thing out of his mouth, let me speak to your spirit. So if you would just join me now, if you want to cooperate with this moment and hear from the Holy Spirit to say, I choose right now with my will. I tell you, soul, to step aside. Spirit, come to the front. You are front and center. This is for you. Hear the word of the Lord now. And so he began. He said, Spirit of sonship, you king, you priest, rise up to the battle before you. The soul is now weak and will not be able to protect you. The soul is waiting for you to take your place. It has attempted surrender, laying down its own weapons, waiting in faith for the greater thing. Do not disappoint this faith. Do not abandon this yielding. It is precious in my sight. It is the calm before the storm. It is the silence before the rage. It is the quiet before the war I've called you to wage. Take up your arms. Stand upright. Your days of submission and silence are over. Your passive existence has ended. I know that you hear my war cry. I know it reverberates inside you. Respond. Release your new nature. Release the fullness of Christ within you. I will castrate all that you oppose. The family line of enemy possession will cease to advance to the next generation with your sound. You are strong enough. You are by your very nature superior to all that opposes you. You don't need a new tool. You don't need a new weapon. You are the weapon. Spirit, rise up. It's you that I need. Spirit, rise up. It's you I've called to take the lead. Spirit, rise up. This is the time of your destiny. I will give you the land every place your foot treads. Step up. Stand up into your victory. I've served it up on a silver platter. So this is an invigorating word. I immediately felt all of that, that torment, that war that I felt had been feeling for so long. It just immediately broke with this one message that said, spirit, step up. Spirit, get in front of your soul. Your soul is not your savior. 
And so I know that there's more to come on this. Like Tisa said, there's more that I could tell he was revealing to me about this dynamic and how relevant our spirit is and how often we don't even recognize that it's on the team, you know, and that there's, but it's, think about this. It's the spirit that was regenerated when you were born, born again. Your soul isn't, your soul has to be renewed over time. But it's your spirit that gets grafted back in to the vine. It's your spirit that has the direct line to Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, not your soul. And so if we, out of just the way we were raised, the way what's our normal, allow our soul to be in that front line, in that front position, trying to, even if you're just trying to figure out, oh, I hope I can hear the Holy Spirit. Ooh, try so hard to hear him today. I'm going to try real hard to yield to him today. I sure hope I'm doing the right thing. That's your soul talking because your spirit has 100% confidence because your spirit is directly tied to the life of Jesus Christ. And so I believe he's going to be bringing a bigger message, a bigger a teaching, a bigger revelation even on the relevance of our spirit. And there's going to be a breaking that happens that enables us to walk in a new way where our spirit is truly allowed to stay in the lead all day long, 24-7. So, Papa, we just say thank you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I know there'll have more to come on that. And there's a million thank yous we could give, but I'll welcome Tisa back up. That was good, right? <clears throat> so, again, that this is to demonstrate the spirit of prophecy in action because I didn't talk to her about anything about it. And so now that I get a chance to release this word that he has, you, you're going to be able to see how those correspond. And, and then if I was to read Tess's word, it corresponded as well. What is What happens when the Holy Spirit finds a a vessel, a container that he can fill with himself, then he, the words that come out are spirit. And the, that spirit word is trying to connect with your spirit, right? And so it it does, it breaks off. You know, when it says that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing what? The soul and spirit. So what's happening? Your soul, it doesn't, it always wants to be in the lead. And it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it, I'm just it's it's not as smart as the spirit. So it when it when the truth or when the word of God comes, it's a scalpel and it cuts away. So there's a delineation between spirit and soul. So then the spirit can get back in line, and the soul can get back in line. And I'm not preaching on that today, but that's what's happening. So what the, let me, let me give you a synopsis real quick. So in the Bible, the greatest story that you can invest in learning, aside from, of course, knowing Jesus, is the story of the children of Israel. It is a mirror image of your life on earth as a Christian. So you're in slavery. And God miraculously sends a deliverer, right? And he actually sets you up and tells you what he's going to do with your life. And what does he tell you? I am taking you out of slavery into the promised land. And every place your foot touches is going to be holy ground and I'm giving it to you. But he also says there was someone else inhabiting your promised land. Why? Right now, listen, right now you have a promised land and I, there are a few of you in here who have taken it to the devil and have done what I'm going to talk about today, have removed the giants from your land. But most of y'all are like the children of Israel. You're like, I don't know. Egypt was pretty good. I mean, they provided us food and a lot of jewelry and we had some really cool things over there. We had a pool. We had some nice stuff over there in Egypt. We had a business you know, we had, right? Come on. I was a worship leader somewhere. It was a really cool place. But the promised land is still the promised land. And that's, whether you understand it or not, God is moving your life towards the promised land every day you're on the planet. Right? You may be 90 before you're like, whoa, here it is right here. 
But he wants us, the moment we know Jesus, the moment we receive him, and you had no part in that, by the way. He was pulling all the time, orchestrating. We had no part of that. Then the moment he says, hey, I've got a promised land for you, he, the nature of your spirit is let's go get it. Yes. That's the na- Your soul is like, is it going to be hard? Is it going to be hot there? Will there be chicken? <laughs> well, I don't know, whatever, right? That's our souls like trying to think. So this is the story I want to introduce you to today from a couple of different ways. So you can read about this story in uh, lots of places, Deuteronomy, Joshua, all this. I'm a Joshua. God called me to be a Joshua before you even knew me. And in the Joshua generation, which is the generation we're in right now, they are done wondering. The previous generation to this was wanderers. Right? And Moses is dead. Okay. Now, when in Deuteronomy, when God told Moses, go get my people. Do you remember what he said? Go get my people in slavery, right? And remember all those things? He threw down sticks and they turned to snake. All eight, do y'all know the story? What happened? He said in Deuteronomy, I'll just give you a real snippet. When God, this is in the message, Deuteronomy 7.1. When God, your God, brings you out, uh, brings you into the country that you're about to enter and take over. Turn to your neighbor and say, take over. This is God's intention for you to take over an inhabited land. It's not inhabited with God's ways. He will clear out the superpowers that were there before you. And he goes on to name them. I'm going to talk about them today. All the ites, the Hittite the Gergesite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Those seven nations are all bigger than stronger than you are. God, your God, will turn them over to you and you will conquer them. So he already told us what? Well, they're bigger than you. I say this to people a lot. Is someone's victimization, someone orphanshood, is it bigger than you are a leader? You know, if you're going to lead people, you're going to have all kinds of people. You're going to have orphans that you're leading. Shitty used to say it's like herding cats. Now, I don't like cats, but I, I heard you can't really get them to come. They kind of have their own attitude about life, and right? Me and Cheryl, we send each other cat videos because I don't like cats, and she has a bunch of cats. So, you know, I heard that you can't really just train them to just to come, right? And so as a leader, you're going to have cats sometimes, right? And this is, this is what he said. You must completely destroy them. I propose to you, this is our hitch. And it was for them as well. He said, offering them up as a holy destruction to God. Don't make a treaty with them. Don't let them off in any way. Now, who were these people? Who were the ites? Do you know where they came from? They came from Noah's sons, right? So they were occupying God's land of Canaan. That was always God's promise. From when? When did he make the promise and who did he make it to? Abraham. That was his promise way back then. So he can't go back on his promise. So what were they? They were child sacrificers. They served other gods. And those other gods were horrible. And they had actually, I don't have time to get into it, but you can read about it in, uh, let me see if, I I think I wrote it down for you. Because I know some of y'all will want to see it. I think it was, I don't know, maybe I did it. It's in numbers, I think. No, I'll find it in a minute. Anyway, they came from whenever the fallen angels impregnated women, and they became the ites. It's a really generalization. But so they are the ones that were inhabiting the land. They weren't God-fearing. So the ites, you've got to remember this, the giants in the land were ites. They did not come from God's ordained plan. Right? 
And so you've got to realize in your life right now, there are giants in the land. And these giants weren't put there by God. That's why we can't play nice with them. I know all of you highly mercy people and all you people pleasers, you are afraid to set any boundaries with anybody because you're afraid. The religious spirit tells you you're afraid that people aren't going to know you love them. But they are not for you. They are giants inhabiting your plot of land. Think of that for a minute. God said he would drive them out if you would just go, but you have to destroy every remnant of them. That's why we have, when we come out of Egypt and we keep the little trinkets from Egypt, they carry with it a spirit. The spirit lives in our house and we can't figure out where are these open doors. Have you ever just been sitting at home and you just all of a sudden just got violently sick and you're just like, or you just got unbelievably sleepy or you just all of a sudden started fighting with people in your house and the words were just getting twisted. Listen, all of those are the giants because God said we don't even wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? So he kept, so he gave Moses this instruction. That's all the way back in Deuteronomy. Now what happened with Moses and the people? He told them what God said. He says, what we're going to do gang we're going to take this 11-day trip. Did you know it was 11 days from Egypt to the promised land? So that makes the wandering around for 40 years seem insane, doesn't it? And all God said is, have a bath and meet with me in three days. And they were like, no, we just want to stay all dirty. We don't want to have a bath, right? We don't want to do this. And, and he said, right, that's where he said, I want to write my laws on your heart. I want you to be my people and I want to be your God. This is who I am. This is who I want to be. And this is why I brought you out of Egypt. This is why God saved you. This is all he wants to be. Let's don't give God a bad name and say he's a mean God when the giants in the land are, were not even of his doing. And so, so they, they came, remember, and they didn't want to do all that stuff. And they just said, no, Moses, you just go be the go-between. And then there's the Catholic religion was birthed right there. <laughs> there's got to be a go-between between me and God, right? And we still do that. We still need the holy man to get between us and God, right? And so what happened? Moses said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's, let's read it real quick. I think I wrote it down. I have so many scriptures. Um, Maybe I didn't write that one down either. Yeah, here it is. Numbers 13. Let's look at that one real quick. Numbers 13. I'll just read it in the message because it's funner. It says, scouting out Cana. Now, that Cana is the promised land, okay? It's good for you to get a name for your promised land, okay? And he said, this is what Moses said. Send men out to the country of Canaan that I'm giving this. God spoke to Moses, send men out to the country of Canaan that I'm giving to the people of Israel. Now, so what was God's instruction? Send them out, right? Now, if you run down, this is what Moses said. Go up there to the country, look around at the land, assess the people. Did God say assess the people? No, he said, look at what I'm giving you. What was he giving them? Not the people. He was giving them the land. Right? So Moses gives all this instruction. It says, are they strong or weak? I mean, he's like giving them the hint. Like, these are your only two choices. I propose to you, because I'm building leaders, right? I propose to you we've had leaders give us these choices about our lives, and we just chose between those two things. Right? That's why we have to be careful that when God says to do it a certain way, we do it the certain way. Right? Now, trust me. You know, I've been in church my entire life. I've never even missed church. So at the time that someone was giving their revelation or whatever, like today, I'm trying to give you a revelation, right? In 20 years, this should be obsolete. 
Why? Because we should be living out of a different place. So whatever they taught you back then, if you got here somehow, right, we just forgive, right, what past leaders did. We don't want to get hung up thinking they should have had the revelation of today because God hadn't even poured it out yet. So don't get hung up on past leaders because that's just the enemy. He'll get you stuck there. Listen, everybody's messed up. I've messed up. Everybody's messed up. You're going to mess up. That's not the problem. So assess the people. Are they big or large? Are they few or many? Isn't that funny? And so they, they went and looked at the land, and they came back and told, they answered all these questions. But here's what's interesting. This is what they said. In our own eyes, we are like grasshoppers. And so are we in their eyes. So that there was the beginning of all the faith getting sucked right out of their life. Right? Because they demonstrated what Moses asked them to do. Now I could get into the whole story about Moses. Great guy. Found favor in the sight of God. But... His, he didn't even get to go, remember? So I propose that you've got to be careful whose instructions you take into the promised land because you might look at a thing in the promised land that God already said he'd take care of, but then you hear some instruction and you think, oh, I've got to be worried about this. How many have been worried about something and end up being nothing? That's this. Right? And see, on the other side of life, right now we're in the dispensation, if you will. Do y'all like that word? Because I kind of like to use it, but I know no one knows what it means. We're in the, we're in the time of life where, God, where the Holy Spirit is speaking. And He's actually educating our gifts. Remember, I've read it a million times. Our gifts are for what? For the body to be built up. So that means you're a little tiny one-story building, and he, he wants you to be Devin. Well, how many stories is that? 68? You know, he wants you to be taller. He wants you to be wider. He wants you to be more, right? And so if I look at something and I predict how they feel about me. Now, listen, this happens in your job all the time. When I begin, begin to look at the promised land, I'm going to see the giants. But it's the way I think the giants see me that's important. So if you have a job, right, you go to the job and you're a people pleaser, right, then you're, then how many have ever thought thoughts that you think someone else thinks about you and then you actually had a legitimate conversation with them and they were like, yeah, I just had gas. I wasn't even thinking about you. <laughs> Right? How many have done that? Like you so thought someone was thinking this big oh, and it wasn't ever good. Isn't that weird? The thoughts that we have that other people think about us aren't good. I always tell people I didn't even get to come to the trial. I didn't even hear the evidence against me. You don't have no idea what I'm thinking about right now about you. Absolutely you don't. Right? So they, they demonstrated that they just took the suggestion. They just did Captain Obvious. Remember, I've been talking about Captain Obvious. That was the one I was trying to figure out. What was it? Captain Obvious is just like, well, he said to look at how big the people are. Well, I'm this tall and they're this tall. They're giants. Right? Now, in Brian Simmons' book, um, The Joshua Generation, he does a really good description of the giants. So I want to talk about it just real briefly. I made you some slides even just to help you follow along. So, let me pull it up. In the chapter that he talks about the giants, the name of the chapter is spiritual warfare. Listen, you're in a war. I'm sorry if you just thought you came to the planet for ice cream. I thought that once too. But listen, we're in a war. We're in a war, right? But God is training your hands for battle. And he has already won. So you're fighting from a place of victory. You're trying to make it um, be manifest, if you will, on the planet. So here I am. There's not a, this isn't victorious right here. This person's sick. That's not victory. Is that person sick in heaven? 
because remember we have dual citizenship. I'm seated at the right now. I'm seated in heaven. Yes. Hearing the Holy Spirit talk to my head. Yes. You're seated on earth. Your your body's listening to me. Your brain's listening to me. But your spirit man's in heaven, and it's applauding what's happening right now for you. Right? When Haley got that job, all of heaven applauded. Right? She had no part in it. She wasn't looking for a job. Right? Pam said, I think this job that Jack Boone's saying is for Haley. And I was like, tell her. I said, I said to Haley, in the moment that Pam sent you that job, were you like, woohoo? She was like, I said, you better get over to woohoo. Because she knew she wasn't even looking. Right? God told me he was going to give her that job and he was going to give her more money than she needed. And what did he do? He did more than what she requested. Her little, her little requester was just barely above. I'll just get a nickel above what I'm making now. But he, he blew that out of the water. Why? Because he's wanting to do abundantly above, right? All that I can ask or even think of. So this chapter is called Spiritual Warfare, and so he talks about the Hittites. I think I have a little slide for you, don't I? Yeah. The Hittites means to be broken in pieces or dread. It says the Hittites are spiritual terrorists. So this is a giant that's in the land. They utilize fear, dread, revenge, retaliation in order to defeat you. Have you had any fear this week? Have you had any dread this week? This is a giant you'll have to overcome. It took up residence in your promised land. And God said he would drive it out. How will you destroy all the goods that came with it? So you have to be careful depending on if you can handle that. Do you love to just reminisce about the past? You know, I believe you're skirting along the fantasy wagon. Because God says... I'm doing a new thing. What keeps us from perceiving it is the old thing. You know, in my world, you know, I've been in the prophetic 60 years. So in my world, the prophetic is, has blown out of the water right now. I mean, it's crazy how amazing it is. And I've lived for this day. But if I'm not careful, I've had some amazing encounters with God back before some of y'all were born. If I'm not careful, I want him to move that way again because it did something for me. But he's doing a new thing because you're different people. And you need the thing to look like the thing looks like now. It don't need to look like my thing did when I was 12. And the same thing's going to happen to you. In 10 years from now, it shouldn't look like this. It should be advancing. We don't want to fight with the enemy the giants in the land, for 40 years. You know, when Joshua took the people to the promised land, he repeated the same thing Moses said. He said, God's going to drive out these 40 years later, right? What, what was the difference? Why didn't they go over to the promised land? Because when they reported it, 10 said we can't, and two said we could. Who were the two? Joshua, what happened to jo Joshua when, when Moses picked him? He gave him a new name. Now, his old name was Hoshua, and his new name was Yehoshua. What's the difference? Hoshua means salvation, but Ye means God. God saves. Not Joshua anymore, but God through Joshua. See, when you begin to walk into the... you got to get a new name because someone said stuff over you. I love to give people nicknames because it speaks to their identity in the promised land. Everybody knows their identity from before, from Egypt, right? And so remember whenever they, they were talking about, well, you know, we're just little grasshoppers. And it says that Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, stop it. Shut up. We are well able. We can do this. You know what's weird is they wanted to stone them. They got so, it says that they got so enraged at the message from Joshua and Caleb that they were going to stone them. And it said the presence of God came down and hit the camp to where nobody could pick up no sticks. That's what happened. 
And then that was when God said, forget it. I'm going to wipe them off the planet. I'm done with all of them. And then Moses was like, wait. If you do that, God, you're going to look like an idiot. And God was like, well, it's okay. None of them are going to the promised land then because I was going to drive out all the only Caleb because he has the different spirit and Joshua. And so what happened? All of those leaders died out and all those ones that wanted to stone them. You fast forward to Acts, Stephen, do you know him? He's retelling the story of Joshua. And it says they became so enraged, they literally stoned him over the same story. How many times in your family have you changed the narrative? Come on. And you try to go back and tell your story back to the, right? Because who was Stephen talking to? He was talking to the same Jewish people, the same people Jesus was talking to. Who was standing beside to hold their coats where they stoned Stephen? Saul. Paul, he, he gathered the coats of the stoners of the guy who told the same story, same story that they wanted to stone back then. Do you see that? They didn't, they did not get the message. They did not have a heart change. So the same story, cause as he said, why are your hearts so hardened to what God wants to do for you? Why are you so resistant? And just him telling them that story, they stoned him to death. And Paul stood there and watched it. Now we know what happened to Paul, right? He had this huge transformation. And so back to our giant. So when God is describing what he's going to do, you have to remember, if you go back to take a pole and you don't have the guy in your yard that has the different spirit, if you don't have a Caleb with you, they're going to be like, oh, are you sure? Think about some of the comments that you've received. So you can't consult yes. Yes. with giant seers who think we're grasshoppers yes. in the same light that you consult with someone of a different spirit that says we can do it. And you're going to have both in your life all the time. You know, when, when you're, you think, okay, I'll make some changes in my life. I'm going to start getting up early and I'm going to spend time soaking with the Holy Spirit. And you call your sister and she's like, hey, I'm sleeping in tomorrow. Let's sleep in tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. You forget what plan you made and why, right? That Just translate that to your own life. All the time, all the time, we're consulting people who think that they're grasshoppers as opposed to giant slayers. Yes. You consult with me, we're going to have a different conversation. Yes. Right? Yes. And so here, so back to our tights and ites. So the Hittites, is that what we're on right now? Yeah, so they use those things, fear, dread, revenge, retaliation, to defeat you. It says this, this manifests with a strong sense of self-protection and says, don't cross me, don't bug me, give me my space. Anybody ever had anything like that in your life? That's a giant. You're going to have to work with God to defeat it and throw away all of its stuff. Everything associated with it. It says, it ha the Hittite attitude is an angry influence that will attempt to break you into pieces and throw you into fits of rage. It's a giant. The Amorites. Thing I got. Yep, they're summit dwellers. They're, you know, pride, arrogance, elitism, superiority. Don't you hate pride? Listen, if you know anybody that's prideful, just wait. Because God opposes it. He'll warn and warn and warn and warn. It will come down. You don't even have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. It will come down, right? And when it comes down, right, there's usually something heavy on top of it. <laughs> like a piano, right? Why? Because God opposes it. So it says that 
This spirit keeps us from fresh brokenness and humility that God wants to bring into our hearts so that we can connect with him in a deeper intimacy. It says pride is the grossest form of deception and self-worship. It basically said God is working only in me or it deludes into thinking we're the only ones God is using. We just think we're just superior to everyone. There's all kinds of places that this applies. But remember, God loves the humble. He flows to the lowest place, right? The Canaanites, now they, that was the land they were going to was Canaan. They're pirates. They have that, remember we had that word about the God of Mammon? Remember about Mammon? They represent materialism, the love of money, the worship of man. Materialism is a godlike spirit. It's a demonic power that is gripping many today. It's got to be removed. It'll make us stingy. Right? Remember, everything in God first comes from what I'm willing to release, what I give away. Right? Giving is the action I do when I believe I need to receive. I give him worship. What do I get? What do I get from worship? Yeah, everything in my life changes through worship. My perspective changes. Have you ever come in here feeling bad and you really engage in worship? You just don't leave the same. Right? You came in here like you just barely limped in. Just limping in, right? And the moment... That first note from Shooty's keyboard. Have you been there? Where it's like, I don't even know how to describe it or whatever. Right? The next one is parasites. Think about that. It's, I love this, country folk. It's lack of vision, stuck in tradition. Ooh. Don't you hate to be stuck in tradition? It's weirdly loyal to rusty things, old rusty things. It represents being locked in to our own territory and spiritual dominion. They love to keep looking back to the old instead of looking forward to the new. It's a giant. Listen, all of these people were inhabiting, they took up territory. Right? Remember, what's the first thing that Joshua did in the... In the promised land with his people. They marched around what? What was, what was inside Jericho? Do y'all even know? It was all of this bell worship. All of this child sacrificing going on inside these walls. Listen, I'm not promoting it. But that movie that's come out about uh, child trafficking or whatever. I read today that, what's the name of it? Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. I heard don't go see it if you've been abused, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not a recommender of movies, except for that one. I'm just kidding. Um, but there, I, I read today that theaters are turning off the air conditioning in those places that are showing it, so that people don't want to stay in there. I mean, that's that's a that's going to great lengths, right? So I mean, it's just crazy how this these when we. These giants go undefeated, right? And they stay remaining. Now, think about how hard it was for them to even decide they were going to go into the promised land. I mean, it's literally, y'all, 30 minutes on the other side of the Jordan. They spent 40 years not doing it. Think about just walking by Andy's that close over and over and never going in there and getting you and concrete <laughs> oh, remember they said it was flowing milk and honey it just blows my mind I'm just thinking oh my gosh everything in God is so much better they even brought back proof yes. except for what they thought about me trumped it okay the Hivites is that one next yes this says um the enemy of our soul is always laying out a trap for us. The Hivites point to the schemes of the enemy to hinder your advance in fully possessing your spiritual inheritance. Listen, the promised land is your spiritual inheritance. Listen, your 
the cars and houses and blessings and materialistic goods, they come after you spiritually have attained your promised land. It's a supernatural event. If you try to get cars and money and relationships without this spiritual renewal, this removing of giants, it will affect all your stuff. It says every plan the enemy has will be thwarted as we see ourselves in Christ and apply the power of God's word to our lives. That's why that this is not weapons of man-made stuff. This is actually weapons in our minds. This is weapons in the supernatural. This is actually seeing with the eyes of the Spirit with our supernatural gifts. I can just tell you that that word that Cece wrote was pretty incredible when you go back and read it again. But the pathway to get the word wasn't easy. It's a battle. I mean, she, I mean, she's actually having the feelings that she wrote about in there. Like it's an actual thing that happens to her body, to her mind, to her physical man. So she's warring to just get to the place to write it. Once that it's written, the release comes. Why? Because that's Because the enemy knows... I'll just move on to the next thing that's been defeated. That's the same way. If you're called to be a healer, you've probably experienced a lot of sickness. It's the same way. She's called to be a writer, and the enemy tries everything he can do to keep her from writing. Whatever area that you're called to do, the enemy will come in like a flood. He'll just, uh, 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 uh. So you'll be like, yeah, I'm just nothing. In my own eyes, I'm nothing. In the eyes of that, right? Have you ever thought about if you've got the gift of healing and you're sick, what do you do with that? How do you rectify that? See, the enemy it banks on you not even trying to heal anybody else. I, I cannot tell you countless stories I have of people who were sick and started praying for people and then they got healed. We're just like, tidy me all up, make me all perfect, and then I'll do something for God. I'm like, no, you got to do it in the middle of crud. I mean, if you're waiting for that all to get all perfect, then he's just like, I just have to just keep throwing a headache over there. I'll keep you down for 10 days. A little PMS, that'll be all you need there. You're out for a month. Right? It's just whatever, whatever he can use. The Jebusites is next. The conquered, depressed, fear, panic, anxieties. Way down the human soul. If you have this reoccurring, listen, right now there's this weird spirit that's going around where it just makes people tired. I mean, like, they'll just be like, oh, whew, this is good, energetic, and then boom. See, God renews our strength like eagles. It's not even, you have to understand, your ability to not be tired isn't actually about sleep. If only that could do it. If only I could just say, well, I'll just sleep for." Eight hours, that will be it. He's the one renewing your strength. When you look to him to be the renewer of your strength, I can get four hours and be good. I'm not saying it's just a way of life. I'm just saying you got to make adjustments. So the spirit that's going around is connected to this. We're just trying to conquer you. Anybody ever felt conquered recently where you're just like, oh, it's just another day. That's the spirit. This is a giant. All, all we have to do with these giants is ask the Holy Spirit, where are these giants in existence in my life? It's not hard. It's not some mathematical equation. He'll be like, it's that picture. Or it's that mind, the way you're thinking right there, that mind of yours, the way it's thinking, that action, that job, that relationship. He will tell us that pair of shoes. He will tell us what it is that keeps us in bondage. You know, if, if I order shoes... I'm like, I'm breaking off any spirits that came with them. You know, I'm innocent. I'm just like looking for my feet to feel good, right? And well, I mean, they could look like this and I'd be happy, right? I love shoes. So, but I don't know who made them. It's the same way with movies. If you don't know how to cleanse yourself, you don't know how to cleanse your stuff, right? I say this is, this is holy shoes now because they're on my feet. You got to have some power to conquer the giants or like every single thing that happens is like, oh, 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 You're just taking all these blows, right? Watch a Rocky or something. Okay. <laughs> the 
Gergesites. Pretty sure this is connected to Gerd. But anyway, this is, means dense. The spirit of dullness, dullness of hearing, ignorance, dense in our spiritual senses. We become spiritually dull and inept at moving at the sounds of God's voice. Wow. Another giant. Um, the last one I don't think I made. Did I make a Gibby? Yeah, the Gibby Knights. It was one he talked about in Joshua 9. It was those that are living in the hills, it, demonic strongholds. What's a demonic stronghold? Something you've believed for a long, 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 long time. Something that passed down to you, you know. Um, think about something that, you know, is a generational thing, like, you know, your mom had a big nose, and so are you. I don't know. I was trying to be nice, but anyway. <laughs> And then you get fixated on your nose. And then what happens? You just look at it every day and it's too big, it's too big, it's too big. And then what's ultimately going to happen? You're going to have to have plastic surgery, right? Because you're, you've got to get that, you got to change it. That's how those strongholds happen. It's just thought after thought after thought after thought, thought after thought after thought, negative, negative, change it, change it, change it, change it. That's why we're all, everybody's trying to alter something. Because we've become fixated on some standard that God didn't make, when you fixate on Him, you are amazing. Yes. How many have ever had image problems, but then God came in and healed you, and now it, you're just amazing? Yes. See, that's, that is about what I behold. Yes. Yes. If I behold ugly, i got to change ugly, right? If I behold beauty, then I, I, I sustain beauty, right? Yes. So... Those are seven, and then the eighth one, like I said, you can read about it in Joshua 9. Now, let me just say a couple things. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this on Wednesday. But Joshua was the leader that heard these instructions back in Egypt. Okay? He was there with Moses. And so if you're going to be a Joshua of your own promised land, you have to remember, just think about it. When he heard God tell Moses, and then he heard Moses tell the people, and then he backed up what Moses said, he did not change the instruction when he was the leader. God said he would do it. God said he would move them out. God said that you had to destroy everything. And that's what Joshua did when he went into the promised land. The instructions didn't change, even though the generation changed. So it's really important that that kind of courage that God is trying to give to us right now has to do with the possession of something that He's promised probably many generations before you. But I propose if your family, your mom and dad, were not able to possess their promised land, it's because they did not defeat the giants and remove their influence. They tried to live in the promised land with them. And the reason why that doesn't work is because we reproduce after kind. And they're way stronger. God said it. They're way stronger in their belief, right? That's what he told him. They're stronger, but I'm going to do this for you through you. So if I believe that they're stronger and I live with them, then their influence will influence them, me, more than my influence will. That's why if you go to a job... And you don't realize that you're there to influence. They will end up influencing you. Right? They will, in, they will take your time. They will, they will, that's, what, that's what a job does. When you're there for the money, they suck all your time out. And then you're what? Tired because you gave them, you sold them your life. Right? You're in, you're in bed with the devil. Selling them your life. So that's not a balanced life. That's what we're talking about, about alignment this month, right? The other thing I wanted to say is that um, this, is, this is from the Joshua generation. It's called a brave band of overcomers. It says the book of Joshua is a manual for spiritual warfare for all of those who desire to possess their destiny. So that's who I'm talking to today. I, want, I wanted to end with a little prayer for us, but I'm talking to people who desire to, pres- to pursue their destiny. Everybody doesn't. It's okay. But that's our number one focus around here, that we have this one life, that my life is the same at home, at work, at church, because I'm what? I am a student of His presence. And so because I'm a student of His presence, then I want to overcome what He told me I would need to overcome to live at peace in the promised land. Yes. 
right? So if that's you today, I want you to stand. If you desire to possess your destiny, I just want to lead this in a prayer. So just say, Papa God, Papa God I, release past leaders I release past leaders for injuries, for, injuries. for they didn't know who I was. But I thank you for the revelation that you gave to them. And so I send blessings their way. And I sever the ties that they owe me anything. And so I step today into this promised land. And I'm asking you to show me and lead me to every single giant. And with you, we will defeat them. And I promise you, I will destroy everything associated with them. Because I want to be free. And I want my the people after me to be free. And I want to leave a legacy that I did my purpose. And I will be a brave band of overcomers. So teach me to overcome. So I can be a conqueror. I want to be known as a conqueror. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.